there and can make it back. Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, your favorite travel podcast where I, your host, T. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways travel intersects with regular life. So speaking of regular life, I mentioned the past couple of weeks I've been having a bit of car trouble. So update, I, uh, well, not I, but boyfriend, cause he's been team figure out how to get old car up here and I'm team figure out a new car. Um, so he, God bless him. Great partner has done a great job of navigating the whole transport situation for me. Um, the car was in a garage for since like the fifth. And so it just came out today. Um, and parking fees were about 150, 155, I want to say. So not terrible for over a week worth of parking, uh, car storage. So that wasn't terrible. And the driver finally picked up the car. He was able to get the keys, which needed to be mailed separately. I overnighted them over a week ago, like last Monday. And, um, they didn't get them on Tuesday. They did, however, get them on Wednesday after I was already at the post office. I had just put the key, my last spare key, the only spare key in an envelope to be overnighted to my best friend, hey Del, in um, Kentucky because she was a real one. She was gonna, she still is a real one, a real one. And she was going to drive from where she is in Kentucky to Cincy. And that was about four hours each way just to, uh, empty some of the stuff in the car. Well, basically put the stuff in the back seat into the trunk, stash a key in the car and, um, you know, make sure it turns on, it starts. So thankfully the car did turn on and start because, um, those keys did end up making it to the first location. Um, because I was, I got the call basically, from the parking garage where I mailed the keys, um, right after I put the spare key in the mail with the lady at the window, cause it was going to be overnighted. Um, he received them. So I was able to get back the spare key. Didn't have to send that. Thankfully, um, Dell didn't have to make the drive and they, um, yeah, this has been like, I won't say the worst because, in this experience, I'm absolutely seeing how much worse it could have been. And I am just grateful that things are, you know, coming together. Well, I ended up, um, so we confirmed with the drivers that they have the car, they got it out the lot and they're, I guess, in the middle of putting it on the car. That all happened maybe an hour ago. Um, so dealt with that cars picked up it should be in new york god willing tomorrow um i'm really excited to get the car back mostly because i've got a ton of shit in there um i bought a bunch of candles from aldi while we were out there and because the aldi by us does not have like a home dial a home goods section so the one that we were at in kentucky did so as opposed to going all the way up to the bronx to the one that we know does have a home section 
we went while we were out there because we drove. We could just leave the candles in the car. So all my candles are in the fucking car. And I've wanted those candles. Like I was very excited to get home, clean up a little bit and light my new candles. So now I can finally light those candles and I'm excited about that. Um, but I also picked up my new car yesterday. Um, however, it's a private sale and I'm waiting on the title to come back. So I can't go anywhere with it. So shout out to Graham. I'm borrowing my grandma's car and, um, still rolling on that. And, um, it's pretty much the update. New car should be, I mean, the old car should be here. Um, what tomorrow new car should be a couple more weeks. So, you know, slow progress. This is the first time I have ever had to deal with all of this. This is like a, you know, for us, I won't say senior adults, but for us senior new adults, I'd say by my late thirties where I am now, I'm 36. This late early adulthood has been quite a season of new firsts and kind of, I was telling, I don't remember who I was telling, but this level of adulting is like the adulting where you try to put yourself into a space where you don't need to consult your parents as much. My parents are getting older. So I know that I can't rely on them to, especially physically be able to do as much as they used to be able to do in terms of cars. My dad would come get me at the drop of a dime. If I couldn't get my car out of the snow, he would come shovel the car out or hook it up to his truck and get me out. At this point, my dad is a lot older now. Not a lot older. My parents are what? same 30. My parents were 30 when they had me. So they're 66. And like, I think my dad is like 67 or going to be 68 this year or some shit. So at this point it's like, yeah, my dad will be 67 because my mom was 30. My dad was 31. Anyway, the point is I don't want my dad coming to shovel me out of the snow. I don't want my dad having to do much of anything for me. I mean, boyfriend does most everything, but in terms of like cars and, you know, um, house kind of buildy kind of things, you know, my dad is my go-to. So this level of adulting is like, it's very new. The space where you are realizing that there's still so much you don't fucking know, but trying to do as much of it by yourself without asking for help because you kind of see how, you know, they're not going to be here forever. So it's, I want to be comfortable for myself doing a lot of things, but I also want them to feel good and know that I'm good. Like I'm fine. I'll figure it out. And I can do a lot without them. And so that they can just like, you know, I don't want to say like live the end of their lives, but you know, it's, we all going to die. I'm going to fucking die. Hopefully I don't go before them because I never want them to have to bury me. But the point is, I understand that, you know, I want them to feel a sense of we raised our kids. We're done. We can do what we want to do and not have to worry about our kids the same way we worried about them when they were like 15, 25. So with this whole space of new adulting and 
new decisions and new responsibilities, I really just wanted to take a second and go back to a lot of, not a lot of, but a couple of the really new experiences and the first times that I had in travel. Um, wanted something light cause clearly it's been a heavy week for me and, um, I figured this one would be a little bit of fun. So jumping right into it, of course, we start at the start. We start at the beginning. It was my first time out of the country was to Bermuda. So that was, I was 30. I want to say I was turning 31 that year. Cause I'm pretty sure it was 2017. Um, I also, <laughs> I don't know if it's considered hitchhiking, but I accepted a ride from a stranger. I've never done it since. And I've not done it prior. I was in Bermuda. I was actually looking for a bus route or I was looking for a little bit of guidance and direction to get to, um, I don't want to say city center, but it was like the, like the town, the main area. Cause there were some monuments and statues and shit. I wanted to see just a couple of points of interest that I wanted to check out. So I was asking the folks at the museum zoo aquarium. It's all one structure. It's one place. It was pretty cool. I especially liked uh, the aquarium and the zoo portion of it. Uh, sidebar, little thing about me. I used to love, adore the zoo as a kid, especially around this time of year, uh, Bronx Zoo, when they do the Christmas lights. But after learning that they held a African man captive as a zoo display, as a zoo exhibit, Odabanga. Ask your Googles about that if you're unfamiliar. And this is in reference to the Bronx Zoo. I began having very um, strong feelings about visiting the zoo. You know, I haven't gotten to that space where I was really comfortable doing more research about it and looking into any sense or form of what's the correct word reparations is coming to mind, but I guess admitting or, um, speaking up about, you know, past actions in terms of a statement from the Bronx zoo. I haven't been in that space to do that. And mind you, I learned about, um, Otabanga maybe probably over seven years ago about give or take roughly. That being said, I have a really mm, iffy relationship with zoos just because I haven't resolved how I feel about visiting an institution that held people captive as displays of entertainment, you know? Um, so I'm working through that. So I have a thing about zoos now. It's, it's a feeling. I don't really know. Um, how I feel about going to zoos going further. But at this time, it was like an all-in-one kind of inclusive one-shot deal. So damn, wait, now I'm thinking, did I know before Bermuda? I feel like I had to have. But if I did, would I have gone? Because I haven't been to the zoo since. Oh, actually, I think, I don't, I remember I went to, nope, that wasn't the zoo. That was the Children's Museum. Uh, my godkids came to New York. Anywho, um, 
the zoo, I was speaking to a gentleman and a woman that were at the front desk. They collected tickets and had information, um, all that shit. Gift shop also. And I spoke with them. Really cool. I won't say like we became friends or anything. Like I asked a couple of questions. They were really nice about it. Very um, uh, informative and helpful. I went outside to wait for the bus to go the route that the young lady suggested. And turns out the guy was getting off. He went to his car and he was just like, do you want to ride to middle to the city? Like you're going, we were just talking like, that's where you're trying to go. Right. And I'm just like, I am. Okay. And I'm here. So I lived to tell the story. Uh, this is not me suggesting that you do the same thing. However, he was really nice, very kind gentleman. He actually, I want to say, worked in law enforcement of some fashion, I think, back in Florida at some uh, some point. I don't know if he is an American citizen and moved to Bermuda or if he's a Bermudian citizen and then went to uh, the U.S. for work at some point. I don't really know. But I would I don't know if he did security or if he was like, oh, was he if he was law enforcement, he would have had been a U.S. citizen, possibly. I don't know. I've always been a citizen, so I've never really looked into what non-citizens, residents and shit can do. But um, anyway, he was very kind. He was very informative also. Along the drive, he was able to point out a lot of different uh, points of interest to me and uh, helped me cross the street to get to... Um, so like on the... First of all, the cars are driving the opposite way. They drive on the left-hand side of the street. So trying to cross the street in an area where they drive on the opposite side that you're used to is very burdensome. It's confusing because you're looking the wrong way to see if there's traffic. So you look both ways, but you have to be aware that when you look, you have to also look at the other side of the road and not, you know, where you think the cars are coming from, where you're used to them coming from. So um, he was able to help me navigate all that and cross the street to see an island that was used as a space for public displays, uh, public lynchings, so that they could keep the slave population uh, under control. I um, was helpful, I mean, was grateful for his assistance and for him being able to point the things out along the way that I, one, would have missed on the bus, and then two, would not have known were points of interest had I been on the bus because I wouldn't have had a guide or someone to point things out. So, um, yeah, that uh, hitchhiking or accepting a ride from a stranger was, in this instance, in my personal experience, and that space and time was fine. Wouldn't do that again. It's not something that I look forward to. Let's not get uh, let's not get it twisted. I didn't look forward to it then either. It just someone was kind enough to offer a ride and turned out not to be a creeper. Best case scenario, and that's how it happened. Uh, the next I have here. I wish I could make this the font larger, but I don't know how to do that. Uh, Cuba, and I've mentioned Cuba quite a few times, but Cuba was one of the trips where I think I experienced the most firsts. Um, I did cliff jumping, I did snorkeling, I swam in a cave and I, at that stage, yeah, I've since done more. But, um, at that point in my 
swimming career, I don't think that I'd tread water for that long or, um, so it wasn't technically like in the middle of the ocean, but it was all, I'd never been to a non sand beach, if you will. So I guess it's technically not a beach if there's no shoreline, but we were able to have access to the water from either jumping off the cliff or like climbing down off the rocks or jumping from like rocks that weren't technically cliffs because they were much closer to the ocean. Um, but I, you know, had never, like, I'm not a strong treader, but I can swim. And it's one of those things where I can get from point A to point B better than I can stay stationary in point C. But this was the first time that I just threw all that to the wall and was just like, I'm gonna have a good fucking time. And that's what I did. We had a really, really great fucking time. I held a little octopus for the first time, or I don't know if it was a squid or octopus, but it was like one of those, like the tentacles were really cute. Um, what else do I have here? I tried a lot of foods for the first time there. I learned a lot about foods, um, stateside, like our oranges aren't naturally orange. Um, and, uh, avocados were much larger. I'd never seen an avocado so fucking big. Um, and I didn't realize it's just because like ours aren't the best that there are out there. So, uh, Cuba was fun. Had a quite a few, quite a few, quite a few, a lot of firsts there. Uh, Doha first time I'd been to the desert. Also the first time I had ever been on a camel, I believe yeah, no, that was probably the first time I've ever ridden an animal uh, other than a horse. I'm pretty sure that may, was probably the first time because I didn't ride the dolphins in Miami. The first time I went to Miami, I went to like a swim at the dolphins thing. So I didn't ride the dolphin per se. Like, I guess I did because they do that thing where they take you for the swim. Like you hold on to the fin and they drag you across. But a land animal, if you will, a mammal, um, I rode on the back of a camel and actually I went to Doha first, then Thailand. And it turns out in Thailand, I rode on the back of a elephant, which I, at this point, can't say I would ever do again. I had been uncertain about doing it before I went to Thailand because I knew that I would have no way of knowing whether or not the animals were abused or not. I got incense going on over here and it smells great, but it's like really drying my eyes out. Super frustrating. Um, but the elephant, I knew that I was a little mm, about it because I wouldn't be able to tell if the animal was abused, if it was malnourished. I would have no clue if the, the thing was, you know, being treated well. Technically, I wouldn't know if the camel was treated well either. All that being said, uh, after those two trips, it, it was on my mind before, but after the fact, it was like, yeah, I can't really say that it felt good enough for me to make this something that I do often. Um, it absolutely made me question whether or not, you know, certain parts of tourism are things that I want to pursue in the future or be part of going forward, especially as it comes to 
animals, if you will, because you kind of like expect like a person, like a human to be a little bit more readily able to or have systems in place to protect them from mistreatment because it's fair, not as quiet as it's kept, but there are so many instances in our lives where we interact with other people who may be as terribly treated as animals in, in tourism, in terms of people being tourism, not practitioners, uh, but people that offer services and products in tourism, right? So it's like, whenever you interact with somebody, you never know if they're getting a fair wage. You never know if they are getting a break after you know a certain number of hours so there are lots of things about tourism that you don't know so I don't necessarily want to you know shame people that love riding elephants or love riding um other animals in general but it is of note that we know for certain that a lot of animals are mistreated so it's one of those things where if you have it remotely if you're one of those people that's going to care one way or the other is my is I think also what I want to distinctly note because you could know and not care I'm not going I I I wouldn't do it however you your own person I'm assuming you're grown that being said you know we don't know but in certain situations we do know and um so for me I'm just off the whole animals being involved in my tourism in terms of you know labor that may be painful or hurtful to them. But um, yeah, that was the first time I'd done that in Doha, which is in Qatar. And the I looked this up. So I looked up also Seven Wonders of the World because I was expecting that the Northern Lights would be one. Turns out that wasn't on the list that I found. And I didn't do like just the Seven Wonders. I just looked up, I Googled Wonders of the World. And I would say, uh, maybe 12 or 15 different, um, places came up and the Coliseum is actually one of them. I personally saw the Coliseum and was a bit underwhelmed. I did not go inside because I didn't want to pay for it. I was actually very budget conscious in Rome. I did a lot of pop-ups. Like I would just go see stuff. And if there was a fee or a line even to get in, I was uninterested. I didn't want to spend any money. I wasn't that invested. I wanted to go see everything. I wanted to, you know, be in the space that they made us learn so much about in uh, high school that I don't remember now, right? How useful was it? Granted, it's history. I fucking love history. And history is important, but it's kind of like, ah, I kind of wish they would have spent more time on American history and done, you know, global history in a fashion that, made you probably a little more, I think that depends on the teacher also. The teacher is going to have a very strong emphasis on where parts of the curriculum are emphasized. But um, in my experience, I think that's probably a more fair statement to make. In my experience, I wish that they would have spent more time going over U.S. history versus two years of global history, um, where I felt like the same seven topics were like beat over and over it it was reductive there's more to the world than mesopotamia and that is all that i remember from my global history class that being said i had no fucking clue that the coliseum was one of the wonders but apparently i've seen one of the wonders of the world interesting um that was 
probably though my that and that's the only on the list that I found that I had visited. It made me feel a bit aw, that I didn't see Petra because Petra was on the list and I was this close to visiting um Jordan and well Petra and what was it and the Dead Sea. But I just was so tired. I, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure I was jet lagged, but I just didn't have the energy. I felt like, oh, the weather's going to be trash. I don't know. I ended up dropping the ball on that and I did not go and visit, um, what was it? Uh, the Petra and the Dead Sea. Bali. First time. I think it was the first time I may have done it in Costa Rica, but when we were in Costa Rica, I don't think we were actually on the volcano, but Bali was the first time I hiked an active volcano. That was a good time. And I also went skinny dipping for the first time. So that was very fun. Um, Vermont was the first vacation that I'll actually count. I went to Miami with an ex but we had taken, well, we, he, cause I didn't pay for a thing. Um, he took his sister to Miami for her college graduation. Um, so I went on the trip with them and well, his sister and his sister's roommate at the time. So it was the four of us and we went to Destin, Florida, but I don't really count that as a vacation cause we took his sister. Well, he brought his sister and her friend. It was her vacation. It was like her graduation gift. And of course you bring your girl. Uh, so that, eh, I don't really count that. But my first vacation was in Vermont. Boyfriend and I went on our first trip there. We had a incredible time, incredible time. Um, discovered, what was it? Man, he made some some of the best foods, man. I remember that last breakfast was really fucking good. And he does a, a mean jerk ham steak. I love ham steaks. Yes, I eat pork. Love bacon. I'm with the shits. And I love ham steaks. Like when you go to the grocery store and it's kind of like, or if you go to IHOP and you buy like a side of ham, it's not going to be sandwich meat. It's like a steak. It's like, a thick, thick cut of ham and they sell them vacuum sealed package wrapped. And I fucking love them. And he did the absolute best like rub. I don't know where he, I don't know if he found it, if he bought it. I don't, I don't fucking know. So good. And that was one of like my favorite, favorite foods that he made that trip. Um, such a good time. Oh, bacon fried brownies. Exquisite. Exquisite. And that leads me to the next one, bacon fried bacon fried brownies. We ended up doing uh, my first group trip as an adult, like since high school. High school was probably the last time I went on a large trip. I never really got into the ski trips and shit as a young adult, but we did a ski trip like in my senior year of high school. So that was the last time I went on a group trip before um, my boyfriend and I went to uh, Brigantine 
like I told you guys back in August, we had my boyfriend's best friend and his wife join us at Brigantine. And so that I personally count that as like my first group trip, if you will, couples trip. We had so much fucking fun and I'd never traveled and like stayed overnight with um, another couple or um, a group of friends or anything like that. So uh, shout out to Winnie Fanny. That was a great fucking time. We, um, we enjoyed ourselves. A lot of beach time and, um, what do you call it? Atlantic city. So that was fun. I have next Costa Rica. That was the first time that I rode a horse unassisted. Was it? Yeah, pretty sure it was. Any other time I'd ridden a horse before. Ooh, ooh, no, I'm lying to y'all. We did that in high school because I remember someone asking if we can gallop and Lori Beth was scared. So we couldn't. And Lori Beth was my homegirl at the time. So I was a little uh, bummed, but it was just like, I'm not going to let sis like be scared. You know what I mean? So it was like, all right, y'all relax. It's fine. So we did, I have done, um, horseback riding unassisted, but I guess that didn't really register. Let's see. Oh, I'd never eaten shit in the forest before. So I did a nature hike, which was mad fun. And on said hike, <laughs> the guy was just like, you know, you can eat termites. And I was just like, uh-huh. so we ate a termite and he was like, you want to try them? And so he's like, here, and he helped me catch one. And I ate the termite and it tasted like carrots. So did that for the first time. Um, don't think I've ever eaten anything alive before. So that live bug more than enough. I think I had like three or four of them. Cause you're not going to really just taste one. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was weird. They tasted like carrots. I, uh, yeah. And also hell, I think it was an alligator. I don't know if it was an alligator or a crocodile, but it was a baby. It was tiny, but I held one of those. Um, I made not sugar cane, but a candy made from sugar cane, like, um, like a sugar cube or some shit like that. I got to like move the, like you grind the sugar cane and then like the ox, I think it was like two oxen. Was it two or is it one, one or two, but they basically move like this. I'm thinking of the, I see the device and I feel like I know the word. It's just not coming to me right now, but they move. Oh, just got a text. My little cousin passed a driving permit. Congrats, Trini. Um, but alligator, crocodile, don't know, ox or oxen, one or plural. Don't recall, but touched one of those for the first time. That was pretty cool and got to um, do the process of making that sugar candy. So that also was kind of cool. Then I've got helicopter ride in LA. I'd never done that. Um, Northern Lights in Norway. Top favorite, probably. No, that's very much so. Probably a lie. I can't say that that was my favorite outdoor experience. It's really high up there though really high up there. When I tell you it's, if it's not the first, it's number one. The only thing that I'm thinking might've been a little bit more was like seeing maybe, um, the French Pyrenees. We were driving from 
either Spain to Andorra or Andorra to France. But like, I'd never like been in like surrounded by mountains before. So that, well, I guess I didn't, I should have added that to the list. That one was in Europe is probably the best way. Cause I don't, it was a road trip. We went from Northern Spain to Andorra to France. So wherever we pulled over, it was just like, whoa. I'm surrounded by like snow capped mountains and I'd never been like surrounded by mountains before. So that was fucking wicked cool. Uh, so there was that, but that experience and there's also, which is on the list, um, the nine miles of hiking we did in, what was it called in Canada, Alberta, um, that man was, I mean, some of the most beautiful views I've ever, ever seen in my life all happened on that trip. So that was the um, first time I'd actually traveled with a friend, I want to say. And uh, yeah, other than, of course, like the trips that I mentioned in high school, I went on, oh, nope. Miami. I went to Miami with my ex's sisters. Probably we're in 2021, maybe 2011, maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little bit, um, maybe a little longer than 10 years. Cause I don't think I was 25 yet. I don't think I was 25 yet. Um, but the views from the different spots in Andorra, man, not Andorra, um, Alberta, Pedo Lake, Emerald Lake, Ink Pots. Ink Pots is probably one of the most beautiful and serene, just like, this is fucking real. Um, the pictures look photoshopped, just pulling over to the side of the road. So I gotta say, Alberta was probably the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen in my life. And so it's tough to have the Northern Lights pull in second because I'm a star girl. Everything celestial, everything about the night sky has always been so strong and warm in my heart. Like I love, 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 love stars. Vermont had some incredible stars. I think uh, Cuba and Vermont were probably the places that I saw the absolute best stars. Um, However, Norway, man. The Northern Lights, that's something that I'd been looking forward to. We tried to see the Northern Lights in Alberta. We made like, we drove six hours before we were just like, the weather is trash already. I'm going to be pissed if we drive another two hours out just to get to the, um, what do you call it? The dark sky reserve where it's like, there's no light pollution from the cities and stuff. So you're able to see the Northern Lights much more clearly. That being said, we ended up not seeing them in Alberta. So Norway, y'all, was magic. Just being able to experience that. Something that you've wanted for so long and then it happens. So Norway means a lot to me in that sense that it was just so beautiful. And it came at a really good time in my life where I was just really, really grateful to have the experience. Um, I don't think I would have ever not been grateful to have the experience, but I just was in a space of gratitude more so 
um, in my life at that time. Again, that sounds like I'm not grateful now, but I just know that I felt an immense sense of gratitude in that experience. And I know that I had just completed trying to think it might've been like advanced, but if anybody's heard of momentum education, it's this incredible, incredible self-development, uh, workshop. It's broken into different, um, levels, tiers, if you will. And I'm trying to remember if I had completed like the first or the second level, but either way, I just like gained like a ton of really awesome friends and had some really great experiences. So I was just like, wow, the world has got so much to offer me. And then this, this experience like culminated with being in a space of like, um, I guess personal stretching, like personal growth. Right. So for me, that was a really, really good time. And I, I really don't know if I can, you know, say which one was like a better or a, like the top outdoor experience. Um, so yeah, Norway, Northern Lights and, um, and I keep saying Andorra. Oh, what's the place called? Alberta for the absolute most incredible, like outdoor scenery I've personally ever experienced. Like Alberta got it. Um, and last on the list, I've got Guadalupe and there was the first time I ever fostered pets, if you will, on my travels. They had a really interesting living setup. So their kitchens were outside. It was the first time I'd seen that before. And the way that works is it's kind of like your balcony, your terrace has your kitchen. So you've got your kitchen table and you've got your sink and your stove or whatever in the corner. And then your refrigerator is inside the home. I don't know if everybody's house is laid out that way, but that's how the apartment that I was staying at was laid out. And it was in like an apartment complex. Also in the apartment complex were two community cats. So apparently the cats would just walk across everybody's balcony and just come into whomever's house would have them. So my host, I stayed at an Airbnb, had like a litter box. She had cat food, you know, the dishes and the bowls and shit. And part of my stay was just making sure there was food left out for the cats. And if they use the litter box, of course, to clean that out. So I'd never fostered animals before on my trip. This time I did, it was two cats. They weren't terrible. I got along for the most part with both of them. Only one, I wanna say really engaged. And he hung out with me for a little bit, which was nice. And it was just like, all right. But I think he could probably sense that I still wasn't really feeling it. I was a little scared because cats ain't the You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like I would win a fight more so with a dog before I would win a fight with a cat. I don't know. Cats just don't really do it for me. And uh, Guadalupe also was my first experience with black sand beaches. I had such a joyful time. I think that's the best way to explain it because my experience on that beach was very much so like 12 year old me on the beach, just having a kick-ass time jumping the waves. 
Like I was so happy by myself. So, so, so fulfilled, so happy. I had not a care in the fucking world. I didn't care what was going on. I had so much fun just jumping the waves and watching the people around me. Beautiful experience. And, um, yeah, that was, I'm I'm definitely not going to forget that one. That was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. That was a good time. All right, guys. So I am tired. My throat hurts from this, the burn. I, I really think I overestimated, underestimated how much like this incense, like it smells delicious. I don't know if you guys can see it. Let me move this cup out the way. This incense has been going over here and um, so much lower, but it's making everything dry. I'm tired. My eyes are dry. My throat is getting dry. So I like to go to sleep, but I wanted to check in one final time and just kind of like take a breath, take a moment. Lots of firsts for me personally in this adulting journey. And I think possibly could be wrong, but I would like to think that opening myself up to so many new experiences while I travel, knowing that things could go so completely wrong, knowing that I am there by myself to figure it out, to work it out, to navigate whatever goes wrong, to, you know, pay for whatever goes wrong, to have to communicate with somebody and find a way to resolve things if things go wrong. Experiencing all those firsts, especially a lot of them, they for the majority of that list, they were um, solo trips. So the majority of that, I had to navigate and figure out and like deal with the apprehension or the tension or the stress, the fear, the anxiety behind all of these new things by myself. And I would really truly like to hope and I would really like to think that all of those firsts help prepare me to navigate and deal with all the firsts that I work out here. While I'm trying to figure out life um, and be better at not needing to call my dad and ask him what to do if the car makes this sound or what to do when, you know, um, this light comes on. Like I try to just outsource and do it myself or figure it out on my own. And then, you know, go to him. It's like, all right, I, I got to bring it to the shop or whatever. And my godfather or my dad will take care of it for me. But I would like to think that all those new experiences have given me kind of like an internal playbook of you can do it. You'll be fucking fine. If I can figure out how to get from point A to point B in China with no basis of understanding what any of the words surrounding me are other than Google Translate from person to person, I think I can navigate all of this shit in English knowing that I have resources that I can turn to or tap uh, tap into should I get stuck, should I you know, come to a point in my own research or in my own space of um, figuring things out Like I don't have to come to people with uh, a blank plate or an empty plate. I could come to them with, you know, food on the plate and just want ketchup. 
or just want salad dressing or a topping or a garnish or, you know, salt and pepper. Just, I can get that little bit of razzle dazzle, that little bit of seasoning that already, um, that complements the complete meal that I'm bringing. So it's, you know, it's been quietly reassuring because it's one of those things that until I actively think about it, until I actively give it thought and ponder and do this whole back and forth and, you know, I don't want to say review, but like, I guess a review, I'm going to go spend 20 minutes trying to think of the word, but I'm looking over all of the firsts and I'm looking at how I had to figure it out in a lot of those situations. It's kind of like, oh, that's, that's how I'm able to kind of get through regular life figuring things out because it's like with regular life there's that space of it has to get done it has to get done I don't have an option not to or this is absolutely more important than okay I'm afraid to go ATVing or I'm afraid to go you know skiing or jet skiing but YOLO I only live once or I'm I'm not you know gonna see this mountain again I'm gonna do it or I'm never gonna be in this ocean and you do it whereas like real life has like that there's more consequence to not or to doing something in this um space of our lives in some aspects of course like you know jumping off of a building on vacation consequence you know what I mean like I'm not saying that there aren't risks either way but if you're following me, you're following me. I'm trying here. I'm trying to impress upon you ultimately that give yourself the opportunity to try new things when they're more fun. Give yourself the opportunity to try new things when there may not be as much long-term risk involved if things don't necessarily go your way. If you find out, oh, I tried it, I don't like it, or I tried it and mm, not really for me, or I tried it and I've got more work to do to get better, you know, those experiences in my experience have quietly given me that battery in my back to say like, I've navigated a lot of new shit. I can deal with this new shit. There's no real difference or there shouldn't be, you know, a rocket science, whole new world level of difference in this new versus new that I've tackled before. So Give yourself grace, take a moment, think back on a lot of the new things or think back on a lot of the difficult or challenging things that you've been able to navigate, accomplish and find your way over and through in your travels and relate that to some of the stuff that you got going on in your regular life. You're gonna be fine because you've been fine. Not that you don't need help, not that you don't deserve rest or not that you don't deserve help and not that you don't need rest. However, you are capable. You just have to give yourself a little bit of grace and a lot more credit. All right, guys, back to being tired. I'll see you guys next week. And I'm trying to think, will it be Thanksgiving? It'll be a Thanksgiving episode at that point. All right, so happy early Thanksgiving and be safe and be traveled because travel is more than vacation. All right, y'all.